Hey Pelicans fans, DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sports book, it's America's top rated sports book. And speaking of America, our top athletes are over in Tokyo competing for the gold. DraftKings has a medal worthy offer just for my listeners. Listen to this offer. Place any pre-event wager of a dollar down. You're eligible to win $100. And free credits is America wins any medal this year. That's right. That's 100 to 1 odds on any American athlete to stand on a podium and receive gold, silver, or bronze this week. 100 to 1 odds on an offer like this doesn't come around too often. So sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook now to get in on all the action. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook. It's easy to navigate. You can check out all the instructions for all the different kinds of bets. And for new bettors, look, there's nearly limitless ways you can get in on action and what you can bet on. My friends and family have been loving this, and I know you will too. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits if America wins a medal. That's code TBPN to turn $1 into $100 in free credits for a limited time only. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older. New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Hey Pelicans fans, welcome back to Protecting Nessie Podcast covering the Pelicans 82% of the time, 100% of the time, it's all New Orleans. Hosting by your guy, me, Chris Dotson, covering the team for Forbes Sports, covering the rest of the league for musicmoviesandhoops.com. Might find me writing about the rest of the culture other places, trying to cover uh, Coach Dumas, Coach Rory, Coach Mike out at Bonneville, a bunch of other people doing stuff. You're going to see a lot of that coming up. In the next couple of days, you're even going to see something about what the Pelicans are doing to uh, help some fourth graders. I, I got a Forbes article coming out to, to kind of piggyback on Miss Avant-Garde over there and Harvey winning the spelling bee. Got me where I can't even spell some of these names anymore because she just put me to shame. But hey, we, the Pelicans and Chevron, they're doing a bunch of stuff with some kids. Uh, pay attention. I got some stuff coming up for y'all so you can get in on that if you got some kids. You know, third through eighth grade, somewhere in there. It's a math hoops program. It's going to be really fun for everybody. But today we're looking at Two big things, and it's really one big thing, and then how, how are we going to look at it through a prism? And that is the story coming out from Mr. Fisher over at Bleacher Report about David Griffin, how hands-on he is, and how that's affecting the coaching search. I mean, we've, we, we've pretty much all sorted and settled. It's Willie Green. Mr. Willie Green is coming to New Orleans again, this time as a coach instead of a player, and he's going to lead us to the promised land of the playoffs. That is the hope for Mr. Willie Green. But he's still got a sign on the dotted line. And until that's done, you never know what's going to happen in negotiations. And it sounds like, I mean, I've said it on this podcast before. My regular listeners have heard it. That David Griffin did not get his first choice coach when he was hired because he got stuck with Gentry. Gentry was at least his second choice. He didn't get his first choice when he got Stan Van Gundy. That was going to be Ty Lue. He didn't get his first or second choice this year because he wanted Billups and Jock Vaughn. We, I mean, Fletcher Mackle had that one first. He had Billups Vaughn. I had Vaughn Phillips. It, no matter which way you want to put it, that was the top two choices. And now we're not settling for Willie Green. But, I mean, we had Charles Lee in the mix. We had a lot of other guys in the mix. And 
sometimes you don't get your first choice. Hey, look, my first choice car, I know I ain't going to get it because I can't afford it. And, you know, it just got too many zeros in the number. But you can, you can, you can strive for something. This is different. This is the Pelicans having one of 30 jobs and offering it to somebody. I'm out shopping for this car. The Pelicans were offering the sports car of Zion Williamson to some coaches, and they decided to go elsewhere. Why? We're kind of finding out now. We're kind of finding out that David Griffith still wants to control the minutes, the rotations. Some of the things that caused problems with him and Stan Van Gundy are still things that he, he considers – part of his job description, part of his duties and the things that he's going to oversee and he's not wavering from that. So he's trying to he's trying to build a sustained championship culture and I think part of that is reimagining the coaching staff. It used to be back in the day, I mean you had Phil Jackson, you had Red and you kind of knew the hierarchy. You had the head coach and it was it was going back to the old college days, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. The head coach kind of ruled the roost. Now the players have more power. You've got to build more of a community of coaches instead of leaning on one head coach. That's why I think you might see one. I, I, I'm still trying to find. Maybe I might be wrong. Maybe maybe the Pelicans will have the first all-black coaching staff, especially one that includes a black woman in Witherspoon. But if we can keep Spoon, Fred Vinson, who did not go to Phoenix as planned, according to Bleacher Report, and then had a great four-hour meeting with the team, interviewing for the same job that he would have been trying to recruit Willie Green to if he'd have went to Phoenix. That dynamic's kind of weird. That dynamic's kind of weird, but the Pelicans think they can make it work. They've made kind of their decisions here. Uh, people have made their decisions whether they want to leave, stand by it, how they're going to approach approach the job going forward. Maybe next season they're really looking to get out into the market and interview for other positions. But... The Pelicans didn't get their first choice. They might have got their best choice. I mean, Jock Vaughn, he might not even have been getting that much of a raise coming from Brooklyn to New Orleans. Willie Green's going to get a much more substantial raise. Fred Vincent, if he's moving up from shooting coach and development to, you know, one of the lead chairs, possibly sharing assist, uh, associate head coach duties with uh, Sam Mitchell, who comes in to lead Zion, and they're both under Willie Green, he should still get a raise. He's being asked to do more. His responsibilities more. There's more on his plate. He's going to have to focus on more. That, that just that's coming with the with the the way they're building this coaching staff and what they're going to ask him to do. But I think that that it, looking at it, you know, Gentry, old school coach. He'd been in the league 17 years. Whether you want to say he was new school offense, he's still an older coach, old school coach. He was a real likable coach, though. He was one of those types of players, coach, as they called him. Stan Van Gundy was more of a disciplinarian. And in none of the descriptions between Gentry and Van Gundy will you get too many people using the words love and places of love as much as we've heard from Willie Green just in the last four or five days. I think that's part of it. it, it we, we have now got away from you need that lead man, that Gentry, that Van Gundy, maybe that retread, that person with clout. You need that person that can come in and put their ring on the finger, uh, desk, knock it, they got the rings. They got the resume. They got everything that needs to be said about do they knew how to do things the right way to get a result for a championship. Of course they do. It's on their ring. One, Van Gundy and Gentry, they got the finals. Gentry got his ring with the Warriors as an assistant. But I don't think anybody's saying that they are that type that could bring somebody and that cult-like leader that rallies everyone together. And I don't think we need that. I think that's why Willie Green – 
and the way they put this coaching staff together, it's going to be even better. You have Green, Mitchell, Spoon, Vincent. You keep building it out with a few more. And you've really got a community, a village, that's going to raise this young team into a playoff team. Once we add some veterans, again, I hope it's going to be Grant or uh, Fred Van Vliet or you know, making those kind of moves. But let's look at this day uh, and this news coming out of Bleacher Report about Griffin and his hands-on. There's a player that is the prism for all of this, and it's not Zion Williamson. It's Nikhil Alexander-Walker. And I'll give this story real quick because I've owed it. I've owed it. Uh, I've talked to a few people on Twitter saying I was going to mention the story, and it finally fits. Look, Nikhil, I wasn't a big believer in Nikhil because in the first few weeks and few months that I got to meet the man, first few, it was my first time covering the team for Forbes, first season, his first season there. You know, we meet at the preseason press introductions. We're, you know, that's shoot-arounds every now and then. But there was this time in the locker room, it was after a game. It was a loss to Golden State at home early in the season. But Nikhil went off, and it seemed like he was doing something, talked to him a little bit. And he, I mean, he seemed all right, but he seemed still a little bashful, like he, he thought he should have done more. Not that he could have done more. It felt more like he should have thought he thought he should have done more. And, and that pressure was on him, and he wasn't really adapting to it well. He was still kind of in his shell. It, I mean, it was first few weeks as a professional. But... You know, I really thought something might be coming of there. And then after that 15-point game where he went 6 for 11, I mean, it was a close loss to the Warriors. They still had the people. But the Pelicans won the next game, and Nikhil didn't hit a shot. The Pelicans then lost the next three games, and Nikhil only scored four points in the, in the, in the two and then got some mop-up time against Toronto. But then he come back. He come back. And after a big game in Miami, playing 30 minutes and getting 27, he comes back and at home against Golden State, we got a 108-100 win. Nikhil went 7-18, dropped 19 points. Really thought there was going to be something. But he was still bashful. And I caught him in the locker room, even asked some questions, wrote an article. And when I approached, and this is the funniest part, maybe it's not funny, it was just awkward at the time. Maybe he wasn't expecting somebody to come up to him at that point in the locker room, but it was full of media. I looked at Josh Hart. Me and Josh had just got done talking on some, just a you know brief, hey, how you doing, nice game. You know He didn't do too much, so that he wasn't going to be mobbed by the media for questions. But Nikhil's time was coming. Nikhil's time was coming. But while everybody was still over by Zion, and Drew, you know, Zion wasn't really dressing out at the time. He was hurt at that end. But you know what I'm saying. They were over there looking at Drew and, and B.I. and coming around. And I turned around. It's like, Nikhil, you mind if I get a couple in before the masses get here or something like that, before the, the mob gets here? And he just looked up. And me and Josh still to this day, I don't – maybe he told Josh later. I don't know what he said. It just sounded like mob up, mob out. It might have been something vulgar, but the the thing is, me and Josh just both looked at each other and was like, looked back at Nikhil, looked at each other, kind of, kind of. I was I was kind of taken back because hell, I only been in the locker room a few weeks. I thought I maybe really did something messed up, but uh, Josh starts laughing. Nikhil, he's like, Nikhil say what? And Nikhil looked up, and he, he wasn't mumbling as much. I guess he he was putting on his shoes. He was doing something as they get ready. For the interviews, but it was just one of those moments where 
I was walking on eggshells. Nikhil was getting used to, you know, getting ready for the media mob after a good game. And Josh was just being Josh. If anybody, I mean, everybody listening to this podcast has seen him make faces on the court. The face he made in that locker room had me thinking I was either about to get, I, I didn't I didn't know what was the best quote ever. I was going to get fired. I didn't know what was coming. But for that split second, it was eggshells, and then it was just exhilaration, just one of those ah moments like, okay, I got to speak up for him. He's got to speak up for me. We're all in this together. And, and I got to see, I guess, more of a personable side to him. But on the, the, the rating him as a player side, I, I didn't see, you know, that, that, that adaptation to being a professional in the culture, the way some stars step into that limelight, and the way he was being pushed into that limelight, which brings us back to, to David Griffin and how he's, you know, Nikhil Alexander-Walker is that prism we can look through through Griffin's hands-on approach. Look, Nikhil, he helped Team Canada to within a game of the Tokyo Olympics. Team Canada's been trying to get there. There's a lot of pressure for Team Canada to get to the Olympics. And I think their golden generation that's coming, they'll get to the next Olympics. That won't be a problem. But they fell 103-101 of the Czech Republic in the last seconds of overtime. Nikhil scored 21 in the loss. He was tested at the international level. It was great for his development. He was a spark plug off the bench. He's the only reason they won that first game against Greece. And he proved he belonged on an NBA court. And he didn't belong just sitting on the bench watching the plays go by. The front office saw it, and the front office has been pressing for him to get more minutes next season. Alexander Walker's going to want to need to step into that larger role next season and produce the same results he did in limited minutes if the Pelicans want to get this playoff spot with Nikhil Alexander Walker as one of the lead guards. I don't think the Bleacher Report thing's all accurate. Like, it, Griffin knows he can't make it to the playoffs with Kyra Lewis Jr. and Nikhil Alexander-Walker as his starting guards and and something something less than them below. That, 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 that can't be your depth chart. I think that's a little bit of people buying too, too much into some of the hyperbole, and, and that's what leads you to a line like that in that kind of article. We know that Lonzo would be here or another guard would be here. It just wouldn't be them two as your two. You wouldn't be leaning on them for 36 40 minutes a night that that's just not going to happen but Nikhil showed he's he's ready and if nothing else find someone that believes in you as much as David Griffith believes in Nikhil Alexander Walker I mean Griff's been unwavering in his confidence confidence for Nikhil and it's, it's reportedly led to him not being on the same page with coaches former and future again Jock Vaughn it, he he wanted to run it his way and Griff was telling him no that we're going to need this kind of minutes this kind of rotation this kind of development especially for these guys and Griff's been saying it since day one when he introduced his first rookie class he said Nikhil Alexander Walker came in with the mentality that he will be getting minutes and no one will stop him if he doesn't get playing time it will definitely be a shock to him I think what's underlined and not said but if you read between the lines it was going to be a shock to David Griffin too because he was telling Stan Van Gundy you play Nikhil when that didn't happen, that's when the friction started. So I don't think there's the, the, the losses so much, that especially with Zion missing time, with the point Zion experiment being such a positive. This, this to me, was the first start of something negative. When those young guys that David Griffin wanted to develop, like Nikhil, just wasn't getting the playing time that had been mapped out. And maybe Stan Van Gundy agreed to that in the interview process, and then the games happened, and 
things just didn't work out in the moment. You don't think about it in the moment, but when you step back and say, oh, well, you know, that game I didn't play him. That game I didn't play him. Oh, well, shit, turns out I didn't play him most of the month. That can't be the case, especially when you have a, a vice president that's really invested and wants it to happen. And look, he said it's going to be a shock to him. I think it was a shock to Griff. But Alexander Nikhil, he's he's ready. He's ready to shock the world. And it was no surprise at all that he was the preferred starter of both the front office and the fan base after the NBA All-Star break last season. In a baker's dozen of starts, 13 starts, only his starts, he was 19-5-3. and three. His per 36 numbers show that he could keep doing that even even when those per 36 numbers account for his cold nights off the bench. He could be providing this team starter-level production. That's sustainable. But then you put an all-star next to him with maybe Lonzo on the wing or Lonzo running the reserves. Now you've got a backcourt of, look, Nikhil, he could be an all-star in a few seasons. You never know. A bunch of these guys going to age out. Curry and all of them is over 30. Come on. Believe, if you're going to believe in him, believe in him. If you're going to think he's an all-star, Griff, put him on out there and let him let him play with other all-stars. And Nikhil, to his, his credit, he says of his successful end of the season that he got more calm. He got more mature. The first half of the season, he said he was so eager trying to prove something that he became his own worst enemy. That's his words. A lot of people told him all the time, if you know him, that he has a tendency to do that. And that's that's what I saw in that locker room was him being his own worst enemy even after good games. As a young rookie, I didn't like seeing it, and that's why I was low on the keel. Now that I see his development, how he's come out of that, how he's growing, I got to say, I'm lightening it up a lot on the young man. I like his game. I think he could really be a long-term piece in New Orleans. Will he get a max contract? No, we won't be able to afford that, especially with Zion getting it, especially with Jackson Hayes going to be on we got to find a way to fit him in. But the first way to find out where he fits in on our salary cap sheet going forward is to find out where he's at on this roster and this rotation and the starters unit now. And that starts this season, next season, and that, that will give you your answer. But you can't ask all the questions up front. Again, you can't throw the book at him to start the season with only Kyra as his, as his help. That's not going to work out. But Nikhil showed a variety to his game, and he attacked the rim well. And he'll need to add muscle so he can finish more efficiently. He, but he, he can provide that spark. He provides the spacing. He shot 46% overall, 41% from deep. And as long as he can handle a start and roll and give that spacing, it's going to make Griff and the coaching staff's job that much easier. The coaching staff, they, they, the, one, there won't be friction. Two, he's still on his rookie deal. Griff and him can go out there and get a bigger piece and then worry about going over the cap. and You pay the luxury tax to keep Nikhil at a 70% max contract. That's what you pay the luxury tax for. You don't pay the luxury tax for going out and getting another piece like Steve Adams two years after we got Steve Adams. That's not why you pay the luxury tax. That's not how you follow the money the right way. But the Pelicans, look, they're facing mountain pressure to make the playoffs. The Pelicans need a backcourt that can handle that burden. Alexander Walker, he handled that meaningful international games well. He really brought life to a lethargic Team Canada in that win over Greece. Uh, and the Pelicans need him to have that kind of breakout season so they can focus on building the rest of this roster around Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, and whatever they get for Bledsoe, Adams, Space, and Picks. But this team does not need 
Alexander Walker to be a star. They just need him to be a breakout solid starter. Our most improved player, maybe he finishes fifth in that because he, he takes up starter minutes. But after taking a few months to settle into his professional life, Nikhil Alexander-Walker finally seems like he's ready for the role Griffin pictured when drafting him. And I think if we all go back, we can picture this situation of Griffin and the front office clashing with coaching staffs and how they go through the interview process and that whole thing. Look at it through Nikhil. They've invested a lot into the program they're bringing in and building, their draft picks, and going out from there. Anybody from the old regime, any of the old thinking is out. Even the way they hire coaches and bring in a coach. The way they brought in Stan Van Gundy, we can, hindsight is what it is. We can just go back to Giannis and think about ego in the past and the future and however you put it. I'd rather you go listen to him say it again instead of me butcher it. So, I won't butcher up any more of this podcast. Hopefully, David Griffith doesn't butcher up any more of our playoff chances in the in the offseason by making some rash move. I don't think it'll happen, but I think he's got to learn to work with people a little bit more because they're going to want to take ownership, too. He talked about giving everybody a voice and ownership. Well, what kind of voice and ownership would a coach have if he can't even pick an assistant coach, if he can't pick a rotation, if he can't set a player, if he can't decide in a game, yeah, this was the plan going into it last month, but right now we're just not feeling it, and we can implement that idea and that strategy a little bit later on when it seems like it fits in a certain scenario a little bit better. And that's how you map out a season. And he's going to have to do it because once you make this coach and hire and you bring in Willie Green, you're married to him. Willie Green's getting a three-year deal. I'm thinking it's going to be between like 9 and 11. 11 with incentives, maybe 8 with incentives. Gets him to 11 once he makes the playoffs and wins a few series, a few games. But he's going to have a three-year deal when David Griffin is only going to have that remaining on his contract. So if this all works out well, everybody gets contract extensions. If it doesn't work out well, best case scenario for the Pelicans fan base as it seems, Griff's gone. Willie Green will probably be gone. Most of the coaching staff would be gone. You're probably looking at Zion maybe being gone. But you would have Trajan Langdon and Swin Cash stepping in and running the program the way they wanted to see it. And maybe they're a little bit more hands-off. And maybe that's why they were given this coaching hire a little bit more responsibility and, and weight in this coaching hire. We'll see. We'll see how it pans out. Y'all, I thank you. I appreciate you for seeing how this podcast pans out. I hope you enjoyed the stories and the insight. If you give us a five-star review, we appreciate it. Check out DraftKings, Code TBPN, the Basketball Podcast Network. You can find all the teams over there if you want to check some, check out some new voices. We try and keep it positive. And, hey, keep your day positive. It doesn't look like, doesn't look, doesn't look like rain today. So I'm sorry I just jinxed you, New Orleans. See you all next time. Take care.